0: The Art of Leadership Network. And so we want to cast the vision like, hey, you can do this individually. And institutionally, we can help you instead of that old thinking of like, okay, how can you as an individual help us as the institution? What is up, Church Plant family? Mike Hickerson here, honored to be the host of The Unfair Advantage, to help church planters know a little bit more than we all knew when we were planting for the first time and kind of help planters have an advantage uh, in the next season of their life. So, If you are a church planter, know a church planter, um, someday dream of being a church planter or want to encourage a church planter, or just believe in church planting, this podcast is for you. I want to do a special shout out real quick before we get started uh, to generis who is sponsoring this episode of the podcast they are amazing and super beneficial to the church that i lead of help helping cultivate a culture of generosity they're great at it um, i lead the church in a mission church in ventura california a church plant that we started when in 2011 um, and generis came along at some really pivotal times in that and our story to be very helpful so if you need some help in that area or you want some resourcing or you want some people that are kind of coach you along generous 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 i am two thumbs up for them i love them I thought today what we would do is maybe just uh, like take a step back from interview and maybe let's just chat a little bit about some current thoughts or trends that are going on in my head and my heart uh, for church planters. And so, um, since I have the mic, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so, what I'd love to do first is I just want to maybe just encourage a little bit about um, who we are as Christ followers, because most of us, as we're leading things or we're doing things, we're in ministry, or we're thinking about going into ministry, or we're uh, a church planner. There's this tension that we all feel of like, man, the work of God has a tendency to maybe want to try and destroy the work of God in us. And so we don't want to be those kind of people. We want to be the kind of people that lead from the inside out. So who we are as church planters is massively important. And so I just want to give us a couple of encouragements and challenges on that. First of all, uh, uh, church planters, we've got to love Jesus, right? We've got to love Jesus. All we really have to offer it primarily is what we've received from Jesus as rescue and what we've received from Jesus as gifts. So let's keep the main thing, the main thing, and keep our love for Jesus primary. Uh, man, when I uh, got ordained, the guy that ordained us, the awesome pastor ordained me and he was so kind, he was so good and he was so smart and he just encouraged uh, the people that are getting ordained. He's like, man, it is going to be really impossible uh, to convince people that you are awesome and Jesus is awesome at the same time. So if you're going to pick one, uh, pick convincing people that Jesus is awesome because he's transformed and rescued your life. And so, man, we always want to make sure that we got our love for Jesus primary. And with that comes our like our identity in Christ. Like we got to make sure that we're rooted and established in his love for us. Um, because if we're chasing down our identity in, any, in anything else, man, it, it's going to be a hard road for us. And this is a battle for pastors, for all of us to try to navigate where our identity comes from. If it comes from our role, um, if it comes from money, if it comes from position, if it comes from relationships, if it comes from success or failure or whatever, our identity gets all entangled in that or the people that we lead. If we need the people that we lead to like us and that's where we're getting our identity, it's going to be really hard to pastor and lead them. we got to lead from a place where our identity is rooted in Christ and that success is obedience in that. I heard this saying, I don't even know who to attribute it to, but it's not mine, but that humility, this is the third point on the, who we are humility is the soil in which the like spiritual gifts grow. Um, it's really hard for our gifts to grow in a in a, a soil of our heart that's not humble. So we want to stay humble. This is not about us. The gifts that we've been given are not about us. And we want to we want to have that kind of humble confidence that God has created, called, equipped us for such a time as this. And so, man, humility is the soil which the spiritual gifts grow. Young leaders, man, let's lean into that, lean into that, lean into that. With that comes a warning around gifts. Um, and I would say that our gifts have the potential potential. The gifts have the potential to take us to places that our character cannot sustain. And so you may be massively gifted as a young leader or church planner, but make sure that you're not only growing your gifts in that humble soil in your heart, that God is growing your gifts, but you're also going after character, growing in your love for Jesus, growing in spiritual disciplines, growing in the, from the inside out, because I've seen it too many times and I've been in places too many times myself where that our spiritual gifts have the potential, not always, but the potential to get us to places that our character is not prepared for and can't sustain. So let's not be those kinds of leaders. Um, uh, When we were going through assessment as church plant team, um, and I thought this phrase was incredible, and I I just pass it on to you. Man, there's cracks. If there's any cracks in our um, character, marriage, finances, emotions, whatever, uh, the pressure of ministry or the pressure of church planting makes those cracks become canyons. And so, there's nothing wrong with like having like uh, some stuff that we got to work on. Whether it's God's working on us, the Holy Spirit's working on us, we're working on it relationally together. We're working on it within counseling or anything like that, or coaching or anything like that. That's all great. But what happens is those little cracks that maybe we don't pay attention to um, in our soul or in our mind or in our relationships or in other those areas that we already mentioned under the pressure. Of ministry under the pressure of church planting, those cracks can then uh, widen and turn into canyons, and we got to be careful about that. So just remember, remember, we lead from who we are. So love Jesus, make sure our identity in Christ is rooted and established. That that's where we are. That humility is the soil in which the gifts grow. That uh, we don't want to make sure we want to make sure that our uh, gifts don't take us to a place that our character can't sustain. And we want to know that those cracks in our in our in our life have the potential to turn into canyons if they're not addressed. Under the pressure of ministry and church planning. so let's watch out for that. Now, let's get to some trends uh, that I'm seeing. Uh, and again, I'm not um, I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I'm not a progno- prognosti- prognosticator. Yeah, I'm not that either. Um, so, but I just as I'm looking kind of in the church plant landscape, um, these are some things that I'm seeing, and I'm just curious. I don't have all the answers to these. I'm just curious about them, so I'm asking questions about these kinds of things. So, the first one, it's interesting to me because I think. Um, A big percentage of uh, current planters or people that have gone on the church plant journey um, have come from the student ministry world. Not every, and there's some unique stories where it's not everyone comes from student ministry world, but there's a big percentage that come from student ministry world. But it seems in my seat and what I'm seeing around is that uh, it seems that the pool of student ministry leaders is shrinking. Meaning that there's not as many uh, student ministry leaders that I know of, um, or like it's, or used to, I used to feel like two decades ago, I knew a ton of student ministry leaders, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, um, but I feel like the pool of student ministry leaders is shrinking, um, which um, is making me wonder if the pool of church planters will be shrinking at some point. I don't know, um, uh, but I'm just curious about it. And then what I'm also watching is, um, the best student ministry leaders that I know seem to be staying in student ministry a shorter amount of time. And it may be because they're planting and that's I have, that's great. Or they may be because they're transitioning to other roles in the church. That's great. Um, so I don't have any judgment on that or critique on that. It's, I'm just curious about it that most of our church planters, not all, have come from student ministry world. And I feel like, and I don't have all the data to back this up, but I feel like I see this, a shrinking pool of student ministry pastors and the, the pastors in student ministry are staying at less and less time. It just makes me curious for what the future of student ministry and church planting is. I would love any input on that or tell me I'm crazy, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, please help me with that or how we're going to fix it. I would love that too. Um, I, it turns, another trend I'm seeing it's increasingly, uh, we're increasingly in a a post Christian and cynical world. So I know, I don't, that's probably not a shock to anyone. And we're, it's a a world that has a very low biblical knowledge and very low biblical trust. So like, we've got to realize that that probably affects the context in which we're talking about God, Jesus, Bible, church, Um, the way we preach, the way we communicate. So there's so much cynicism. There's so much post-Christian cultures. There's so much lack of trust. There's so much uh, not ready to put myself under the authority of the Bible. So we've got to figure out how we're going to lead spiritually and have conversations that are going to be helpful, realizing that our audience is most likely becoming increasingly post-Christian and cynical towards the Bible and has very low trust and for sure knowledge of it. That one trend that I've been just Kicking around and thinking it's impacted the leadership at mission and what we're doing is I feel like there is a like going with the cynicism, there's a cynicism around institutions. Um, and so I think the church has been an institution for a while and it's not bad to be an institution or an organization. That's great. But I feel like there's a shift in culture happening moving from institutional thinking to individual thinking, meaning like it used to be where we would have this great vision as a church. That we would want people to join our church because our church has this compelling vision. And I'm all for having an awesome vision as a church. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm watching a shift in culture, I think, take place where people aren't as concerned about the institution's vision as they are like, I individually, I need help. So one of the ways that I've been phrasing this at mission, where I uh, get to lead, is like we want to be the kind of Home Depot church, meaning like Home Depot believes in me and they say I can do it and we can help you, right? And so I, we want to be kind of be Home Depot church, like God has given um, everyone in our that we get to serve that God has given them everything that they need to live the life that God has called them to, right? He's given them his presence. He's given him his son. He's given him his Holy Spirit. He's given him his word. He's given us this imperfect body as the church. God has literally given people everything that they need to live the life that God has called them to. And so we want to cast the vision like, hey, you can do this individually. And institutionally, we can help you instead of that old thinking of like, okay, how can you as an individual help us as the institution? So that's a kind of a trend that I'm seeing be impactful. I would pay attention to how you communicate in emails and marketing and um, from the stage. And are, are you joining us or are we helping you? Just maybe tinker through that a little bit. Um, yeah, just may I'd love some feedback on that as well. I'm also seeing this trend of this is not a new trend, the nuns are rising, right? Um, the people that are just saying, I'm not affiliated with um, Christianity or religion and the nuns, the nuns are rising uh, in the next generation. But I'm also seeing the trend where revival is happening in the next generation too. So I think like, um, this nun rising is probably an, a spiritual opportunity, which is shocker. This is the way it always works, where there is no hope, people perish, right? No vision, people perish. So if there's nuns are rising, but then when they find and get connected to an authentic expression of who God is and how Jesus rescues and saves, revival breaks out. And so I don't have any solutions to that. I'm just watching and I see it as a trend that's happening. Um, I think people, another trend is people have a low tolerance for scandal, abuse, Shady dealings. So as leaders, as church leaders, we have to be above reproach. I don't think that's anything new or a new challenge, but um and that's not a new trend, but I think most people in our communities where we live, work and play and are planting churches, they have a in they may not always say it, and maybe they do say it to you, but I think in the back of their mind, there's some of our our friends that are going like, well, what what good is the church? Like I know historically it's done some bad and it gets on the headlines, not for doing great things, but what good is the church in our community? And so I think as churches, we've got to be the kind of people that are good news and out in our community and we're doing good. We're not just social justice organizations. I don't mean that, but we are people of good news that are meeting some of our city's biggest needs that are helping lean in that if our cities were like, man, I don't know if I believe everything that that church people, those church people believe over there, but man, if I needed help, man, that's where I'd go. Or I don't know if I believe everything they believe about Jesus, but man, they do a ton of good in our community. And that's what a church should be like. You know, and if I ever went to church, I may go to that one because that's what I think in my mind a church should be like. So I think that's resonating in the back of, I think, people's minds, like what good is the church in our community? And we should have a really great answer uh, for that. I just want to walk through maybe, uh, I know I'm kind of shotgunning here, just a couple practical thoughts that I think would be, uh, um, we kind of talked about on the podcast with Andy and David as well, but just kind of circle back to some of these that I think would be a helpful way to remind ourselves as church planters, uh, depending on where we are in the journey. So, or if we're helping some other church planter, we want to say like, we probably need to raise more money than we think for the church plant. And so if you're already in church plant mode, you're probably like, amen, I know that I wish I would have raised more money. So if you, don't need to raise more money, I am so happy for you that you raised that you fundraised all the money that you have more than enough. Uh, but when we help the next generation of church planters, let's help them remember, man, let's, let's fundraise more than we think that we're going to need for the project. And what I mean by that specifically, I mean fundraise for the project. I've watched some people that just fundraise for their own salary or their own needs, and then they have everyone on their team fundraise for that. And then they're also going to go and try to fundraise the operational launch budget for the plant. I would say, let's take a holistic view of fundraising. This is why you're going to need to fundraise more than you need. Let's take a holistic view of fundraising. Let's fund for the life of the project, meaning let's fund the salaries, the launch cost, the equipment cost, and the moving to sustainability where we can be um, autonomous in in our funding from our body that we're creating. That's not going to start week one. So, like, let's have a launch plan, like a four year plan, a budget plan that we like over the life of the project, we're gonna to need to budget to this end. So, we got some salary in there, right? We got some launch cost in there. We got some facility cost in there. We got some rental cost in there. We got some equipment cost in there. And then we got operational cost in there that we're gonna kind of build into. So, year one, we're gonna be 75%, hopefully, is coming from the funding that we've raised. Year two, 50%. Year 25 percent, and hopefully year four, we're self sustaining financially. That'd be an awesome goal to have. I just watch a lot of church planters that think they're going to be self sustaining financially day one, and they only fundraise for the launch of the church and not the move to sustainability of the church. So that's why I always say fundraise way more than you think. Uh, that I think you'll need that; it'll be helpful. Just I think remembering some guiding scriptures. I mean, this we're not involved. I mean, church plants are new, but the church isn't new. I mean, we have a mission, so. Like I wouldn't say, I would say, don't drift too far from the great commission. (laughs) Like that's, that's the mission. We have a mission statement from Jesus. So Matthew 28, let's hang in the great commission. I would say, don't drift too far from Luke 15, right? One is greater than 99. um, So there is more rejoicing in heaven. This is terrible math for algebra, but it's great kingdom math. These are Jesus's words, not mine. So fall in love with Luke 15. What's he trying to say about God uh, in that chapter? And what's he saying about what heaven is like and what heaven celebrates? And let's join that. So Matthew 28, Luke 15, Acts 2. I'm sure there's some other guiding ones, but those are pretty primary guiding scriptures for church plants and churches. So don't get too far out of, out of that lane. That's that's Jesus has already given us the mission and he already tells us what hell, heaven celebrates. And he already uh, the early church already showed us how to live together and how God uses that. Um, another just practical thought currently is data is your friend. Like facts are friends. Like, don't go on like, well, I just feel like it felt great this last Sunday. Well, what was great about it? Like, well, I feel like we had one more person than we had last week. Okay, that's great. Don't obsess about the data week to week. Obsess about the data month over month or basically when you get years, go year to year because that'll show you some trends and show you some movement. Um, obsess about the data of people taking steps, of people... Um, filling things out, of people giving for the first time, of people taking uh, us, checking in their kids for the first time, like how many new guests, like you don't even know what to count maybe as a church planter. There's probably about 20 things you could count, uh, but just start keeping data and keep it the same way. Data is your friend. It helps tell a story of how God is creating movement. So don't be uh, anti-numbers. Be somebody that thinks that data is your friend because it tells a story. Um, Practical thought. Uh, Another one, just obsess, 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 obsess about helping people get connected to roles and relationships. Obsess about it. Uh, Especially early on as a church plant, you know, you probably got this whole plan that you're trying to figure out and people are messy and they don't know what to do and they don't always listen to what we say, right? but obsess about helping them get connected into serving and into community. And that usually gives us the most time that we have to help them become a disciple or grow in their faith or grow in the, the ownership of the mission with us. So obsess, 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 obsess. Have your team obsess about getting people connected to roles and relationships and celebrate that. Um, one of the things that I've, we kind of have, have as a value around here, so I'll just give a practical thought, would be, man, developing is greater than doing. I know that you love to do it, and you probably are the best doer at the way that you're gifted in your church, and you may be the best doer in the way that you're gifted at your church for a very long time. That's okay. That may that may happen. Uh, hopefully you get more gifted people. That'd be awesome. But developing is greater than doing. Like, especially in church plant world, man, where we can't just go hire everyone. We gotta we gotta have people that are developing other leaders. It's this the the Jethro principle from ex, 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 Exodus 18, right? Like his father-in-law comes to Moses because Moses is the judge and everyone has to come to him and he's the one that's delivering everything to everybody. He's the doer. He's doing, 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 doing. And he's got people just standing around. And Jethro, who's really encouraged about all that was happening, but then he says, what you're doing is not good. Like you got to have people around you that are, that are leading like at thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Like, and not everybody can lead at those levels. So find some people that can lead. And like what you're doing is not good if you're the only doer doing we got to be people that are developing, um, and developing is greater than doing. And it's harder than doing, though. It's way harder to develop somebody to do what I'm doing because then all of a sudden I feel like I develop them and they leave and go on and do it somewhere else, and I got to start the whole development process over again. But that's the gig in pastoral leadership and church leadership and church planting. Developing is greater than doing because Ephesians 5 would say, like we've got part of our job, the way why we're gifted, the way we're gifted is to equip the body. Like, we're not supposed to be the body, us personally, the only body. We are supposed to equip the body for good works and service and kingdom living, right? So that's why we're gifted. So developing is greater than doing. Um, Current thought for me, a practical thought would be you can't delegate what you can't define. This is like, I'm pretty intuitive and I know how I want it to be in my mind and how I want it to be in my mind usually doesn't make it out of my mouth. And that can get me in trouble when I'm trying to help somebody give something away and give authority away and give responsibility away um, to, to an event or a program or a meeting or a thing. And then I f- would find myself getting frustrated that they didn't do it because in my mind, it's obvious the way it should be done. but to them, But I never said anything. So I can't get mad at somebody in my delegation if I haven't defined what I actually want them to do and how I want them to do it. So you can't delegate what you can't define. Uh, One of the foundational things that I think is a practical thought for a church planter is what can't a volunteer do? What can't a volunteer do? I mean, like with enough gifting, character, capacity, calling, time, like... Like We usually, as staff, put lids on what volunteers can do. What would happen as a church plan if we would just were like, let's have an explosion of an army of volunteers that are filling out their kingdom calling in our community where they live, work, and play, and as our church together? Man, just keep asking, what can't a volunteer do? What can't a volunteer do? Because I don't think there's going to be much that you're going to answer this is the thing that they can't do. There's not much with enough char- character, capacity, uh, and calling and giftedness. Last couple, donor development is a key part of the leadership role. Um, I'm, I am passionate about this because this has been a growth edge for me. Uh, I wasn't quite enough aware or gifted or um, had enough energy in this early on in fundraising and early on in the life of our church. So as I'm looking back, just uh, church planters, leaders, prepare yourself for donor development. Uh, it's a good thing. Also, in that vein, get ready for premarital, for weddings, and for funerals. Especially if you're on the front end of church planting, you're like, I didn't, I was not ready or aware of how many premarital meetings I would do, how many weddings I would do, and how many funerals I would do. So just prepare yourself for that. And lastly, I'll wrap it up with this: man, it is team, 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 team leadership. I have a I have a passion and a bent towards multiple voices as communicators, multiple voices in leadership, multiple voices in worship leading. Yes, you want to have primary teacher, a primary worship leader, primary leader. I'm for that as well. Like I I do believe in that, but I think the multiple is really, really, really important and have a team, man, have a team. Don't, don't go this alone. Uh, It'll eat you up. So Man, I know that's a fire hose of information, fire hose of thoughts. But that's just currently as I was jotting down, like uh, what was what I think would be helpful for church planters. This is just stuff that started flowing for me. Hope that's helpful for you. So grateful for this community of church planters. I am for you. I'm so excited for you. Um, And I cannot wait to see what God will do in and through this Next Generation Church Planters. Uh, If you need any help, get in a cohort, get in a church planting cohort. I'd love to help you do that. Anything that you need, I will will help. Mike Hickerson here, Mission Church in Ventura, California, the ascent leader and also with the unfair advantage. Until next time, much love. Peace.